Welcome to the Talking Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Will Cheshire. And in this podcast, I speak with impact-driven founders and share their real-time stories about how their solution has a positive impact on society. This is a show for founders, investors, and all individuals looking for some positivity and optimism as you hear from people working hard to help better our society and our planet. You can expect to learn about some awesome new products and services in this show that will bring you more hope in our quest to solve some of society's biggest issues. Let's dive in to this week's episode of the Talking Solutions Podcast. Battling climate change and promoting sustainable solutions in the commercial building space is the topic of this episode of the Talking Solutions Podcast. As I sit down with the CEO of Blue Frontier, Dr. Danielle Betts. Blue Frontier is revolutionizing air conditioning with an innovative approach that will reduce electricity consumption by up to 90% and reducing the global warming potential impact of refrigerants by 85%. Why is this important? As the world continues to rise in temperatures and get richer globally, more and more regions of the world are using air conditioners in commercial buildings and in residential buildings. The problem is conventional ACs are not environmentally friendly at all. And so as we combat the heat for our own personal well-being, we'll be contributing more to the climate change problem. Thus, the importance of Blue Frontier's work in revolutionizing air conditioning technology. I'm excited to share this episode with you as I think you'll find it very interesting and you'll come away with a solution that not a lot of people are focusing on, but one that can have a monumental impact. So let's learn more about air conditioning and revolutionizing its technology from the CEO of Blue Frontier, Dr. Danielle Betts. That's Danielle. How are you today? Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah. And Danielle, one thing that I think we should get off right off the bat is talking a little bit about air conditioners in general and just why it is that people should be interested in this new technology, this design and everything that you're creating with air conditioners to help combat climate change. Because at least for me, I, I feel like that a lot of people may not associate at least directly the energy use of air conditioners, especially in commercials and things of that nature and how much damage it actually can do. So I'd love for you to elaborate a little bit about that and, and educate us a bit about air conditioners and ACs and things of that nature. And then, of course, uh, share a little background uh, about yourself as well, because I'd love to to know why you decided to dive into this company and, and try to solve this problem. Air conditioning is one of those technologies that is foundational to our civilization, and it has direct impact to health outcomes to um, cognitive capabilities, to, to uh, productivity, and to the growth of cities. And so if you look at what's happening on a global scale in the, in, in the way that we live, air conditioning has become essential. And because it's becoming essential in most, in most climate zones, it is, one of the it is the fastest growing use of electricity in buildings around the world. In fact, if we were to just project the present uptake of air conditioning um, around the world and the energy consumption associated with it, by 2050, it is estimated that just air conditioning electricity consumption will be as high as if you were to grab the entire electricity consumption of China and India today. Now, can you imagine that level of new power generation or new, new power uh, consumption and electricity consumption 
on a global massive scale and at the and at the speed that is occurring will make it very difficult for us to implement renewable energy at the same speed to just cover that new demand for electricity. And air conditioning is 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 also something that we we must make available to people because climate is changing. So the our buildings, our homes, our commercial buildings, those are refuges, are refuge places for the variability in weather that is occurring outside. And in some places, it's a life and death situation. So we must enable the world and, and all its inhabitants to have access to air conditioning. It's becoming something that is a question of not just something that would be nice to have. It's a, it's a human rights issue. Air conditioners not only consume electricity, they consume it at the wrong time. So everybody turns on their air conditioners or air conditioners turn on themselves when the temperatures are the highest. And during the period of the day when air when, when renewable energy tends to start waning. So the air conditioning peaks start to occur in earnest in the early to late afternoon and then go into the night in most places. And that's the point when renewable energy is actually dropping in, in generating capacity it tends to be more towards the morning into the middle of the day and then starts waning around 2 3 p.m uh, uh, renewable energy starts uh, coming down and so air conditioning not only consumes all this electricity it consumes it in a very short period of time or concentrated period of time of the day and of the season and it also doesn't correspond to conventional renewable energy generation which means that this fur or the, the, the need for batteries in the in the grid is being exacerbated by the need for air conditioning, which actually increases the cost of the entire infrastructure that you need to put in place to get to renewable energy. The uh, Energy Information Association, uh, sorry, the, the IEA, International Energy Association, actually declared air conditioning one of the largest blind spots uh, in our fight against climate change. And it's because of this you know, combination of factors. And the last one is, Air conditioning, uh, to, to create our conventional air conditioning, uh, uh, we use refrigerants. And the refrigerants that we use today are more than 2,000 times more powerful greenhouse gas, gases, uh, gas emitters than CO2, meaning that a small amount of it, it's called the global warming potential, but a small amount of it creates an in, uh, of, of leakage into the atmosphere, creates an enormous impact on increasing global temperatures. You know, so if you put all these things together, you're looking at a device is essential, but it's a major cause of concern. Yeah. Wow. It really is. When you add in all those different elements and moving parts that really go into it, it is really uh, it's a deep issue. And I can definitely see how uh, it was you know, put in as the blind spot, as an area that people are kind of missing. I have several questions uh, based off of that as well. But first, Danielle, I'd love for you to share just your background quickly and, and what kind of led you to to start Blue Frontier and, and a little bit of why you're so interested in, in this type of work. I started my career. I'm an engineer. Uh, I, I, I have a, a PhD in mechanical engineering with concentration in thermal sciences from the University of Florida. So go Gators to all of those <laughs> out there. <laughs> My first passion was in power generation and advanced power generation. So I started working initially in hydrogen and fuel cells and then in, in batteries and lithium-ion batteries. And uh, as I did that, I started realizing that most of the applications that I was developing power generation technology, even though the power was super efficient, the, the peak loads were driving the size of everything. And that peak load was almost always 
air conditioning. So you would say like, oh, I could have this be, you know, have the cost and more compact and smaller, except I have to cover an air conditioning load, which makes everything, you know, more expensive, more difficult. It's a load that comes in and out. And so I was super frustrated with air conditioning as an engineer. And as I started working, I realized that there was not much work happening in air conditioning. So I, I worked on electric vehicles, I worked in hydrogen, and there was a lot of investment going into that space. But I could see that in the building space, the investment amount was smaller and the technology and innovation space was also a little bit behind the curve from like the sexy transportation industry stuff that was happening. And air conditioning was this biggest problem. And one of the things that... <laughs> It's a part of my character, I guess, uh, it may be a flaw, is that I, I gravitate towards the hardest problem. So I, I was very excited about telling the world, hey, um, every time I had a chance to talk about it, hey, someone needs to be working on air conditioning. What are we doing on air conditioning? Could we create a solution that combines the power generation with air conditioning, et cetera? And that led to new conversations with people that were working in the Buildings Technology Group and eventually led me to, to, to having conversations with people at the National Renewable Energy Labs that were actually working on a, this very novel and extraordinary technology that they call Desiccant Enhanced Evaporative Cooling, DVAP. And when I learned about the technology, I could see that there was a lot of development required, but I could see the potential moving away from the direct expansion air conditioning processes that we have today and make things much more efficient and versatile. And that's when I decided to... Uh, to take the plunge and start um, working in that space. And uh, the more I work on it, the more I realize um, what a privilege it is to, to another responsibility associated with it, to have in our hands technology that has this level of impact. I don't think I've ever worked in a space where you know, single pieces of technology could actually create this level of, of global impact. Yeah, that's incredible. That's incredible. And it sounds like it, it went to the right hands for such a big impactful thing for somebody who gravitates towards the hardest problem. So I'd love to hear that, Danielle, and, and, and what you have going on there, because I think you're the perfect guy for it on that front. I want to go back to the initial response that you gave about why air conditioning is such a big problem and, and why we should care so much about it and the, the things that we have there. You know, I hail from the Pacific Northwest region of the U.S. in the Seattle area. For the longest time, growing up, you didn't need air conditioning ever because it was one of those things where it never really got hot enough. It was, you know, 80 degrees on average in the summer and occasionally you'd get a 90 degree day. Recent years, we've been getting into the hundreds. I think we've set a record this last summer. We set a record for most consecutive 90 degree days or higher. Everybody around here melted. They freaked out. They couldn't find an air conditioner anywhere near the stores or anything like that on that front. You said that it was a human rights issue. And I wanted you to kind of elaborate that on a little bit more, because I think for people, for example, like myself, they, they might have a, there might be a little bit of a, huh, I wonder where, how, how is it a human rights issue if you can get AC or not? Because there are a lot of regions in the world today that if you don't have AC, you will be in a very, very dangerous uh, conditions with heat exhaustion and things of that nature. So I would love for you to just kind of elaborate on that and what you meant by a human rights issue there. Of all the um, weather-related deaths in the world, heat is the thing that kills more people. And of course, it, it targets um, the most vulnerable people. So um, uh, older people and, and uh, people that have um, already other health, health problems, um, they're very susceptible to very high temperatures and, um, and, and, and a lot of people die. 
so you know and <laughs> so air conditioning is is essential from that standpoint the world is warming and it means that there are periods of the year in many places in the world including the united states in in where if you do not have access to air conditioning it is actually dangerous to be exposed to to the elements the geographic locations where this extreme weather uh, occurs is expanding the other reason it's a human rights issue is that your not just as a cause of death, but as a cause of your lifespan, there's a direct relationship between access to air conditioning and lifespan and uh, mortality. Uh, places and people that have access to air conditioning and can cool off um, during hot periods of the day tend to live longer. And people that, that don't, you know, so there's, there's a direct link between, between those two, two things on the health side. And then there is the side of just, human development. People that have access to air conditioning are able to learn better, have better cognitive capabilities, are able to, you know, um, uh, because their body is not creating, you know, in a, in a, in a heat stress situation, um, they have greater workers. Uh, they're able to maintain their assets uh, that, they, that they have in their homes or in, in, in commercial establishments for longer periods of times without damage because they're not subject to, to being attacked by humidity and temperature. And so all of those things you know, access to, you know, not having access to recognition is an enormous burden on, on people. And it's something that if we, 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 you know, and you can see it in the market development, um, it's, it's one of the things that everybody goes, is, is, is trying to have access to uh, on a global scale. It's the, one of the first purchasing decisions that occur when people are moving from um, uh, into, into the middle class and on a global scale, because it has a direct impact on, on lifestyle. If we decide that we want to live in an egalitarian world and that we want to give everyone access to live plentiful lives in a world where uh, temperatures are increasing, we must enable people to have access to this technology. It's, it, it has underpinned, I mean, I live in South Florida. Um, I don't think half of the stuff that's here would exist if, uh, if air conditioning wasn't in almost every building, we need to enable that um, uh, for the world. It, it would be unsustainable if we were to do it with conventional technology. So actually the slogan of Blue Frontier is we revolutionize air conditioning before it's too late because we recognize that people will demand air conditioning. There's, that will happen. What air conditioner they actually implement has to become something that is part of the solution, not something that is going to make it such that we can never arrive at a solution uh, to global climate change and, uh, uh, and environmental sustainability. Yeah. And that goes directly into what you talked about. If we're on the same path that we're doing now, we're not adapting to this new technology, which I'm going to allow you to kind of elaborate on here in just a second, because I, I really am curious about it and, and to see how that's going to change and be a game changer. Uh, if we don't, like you said, we have till 2050 and then it'll be what, China and India and combined on that front is what you said? Yeah. So the, the combined present power uh, energy consumption of China and India, entire countries, would be would be equivalent to the to the power cons uh, the electricity consumption of air conditioning in 2050. It, it 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 it's just the level of magnitude of what we're talking about that 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 needs to be it needs to change. It's just unsustainable. 
Yeah, absolutely. It, it needs to be changed. And that is exactly what the guy who gravitates towards more challenging problems is working on, Danielle. I love it. So can you just go ahead and talk to us a little bit about the product that you're building and, and what you're doing to kind of change it and make it more game changing and design an air conditioner that's you know good for sustainability, comfort, efficiency, being that's climate friendly and, and really good with the energy storage as well. So just kind of take us through a little bit uh, about that kind of tech process and product process and, and kind of things of that nature as well. And, and, you know, the benefits that kind of come around with it uh, when it comes to the grid. We're taking a quick time out to chat about this week's book recommendation. This week, I want to highlight principles for dealing with the changing world order. Why Nations Succeed and Fail by Ray Dalio. I found this book to be fascinating and I learned quite a lot about the history of empires and the consistent factors that lead to their rise and fall. Dalio focuses on cycles that countries go through and it's a six step process that occurs. And he uses the Dutch, British and American empires as examples while also diving into China's rich history as well. He also talks about where the U.S. is today in its cycle and the signs to look for that it could be on the decline and also how China is currently rising. It's a very insightful read and it'll teach you about the importance of economics and understanding debt cycles. It's been one of the best books I've read in a long time and I highly recommend you check it out from your local library or go get it from your local bookstore. But now let's hop back into this week's episode with Blue Frontier CEO, Dr. Danielle Betts. I'm really excited about what we're working on because it's not just better for the environment in terms of energy efficiency, but also because it's actually a better air conditioner. So we will, so we have two components it's going to be, uh, you, you, you will feel the difference between an older conditioner and ours. And how we do that is we have a, a technology that does not use the conventional vapor compression cycle to create cooling and dehumidification. And the resultant is a, it's a technology that is three times more efficient than a conventional unit. That results in 50 to more than 90% reductions in, in energy consumption uh, 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 com compared to conventional, to conventional unit. But also our unit stores energy in the form of a salt solution, which is the driver of the air conditioning process, which means that I can consume the electricity, this meager electricity <laughs> that I've already reduced, I can determine when I'm going to consume it and by how much, which allows me to target it to renewable energy generation and a way and ensure that I'm never participating in, in the peak load event, which actually has enormous value to the utility, but increases also the resiliency of the solution for the building owner or the person that uh, is using this air conditioner. So you have increased efficiency with energy storage, which has enormous impact in terms of electricity bills, reduction in the cost uh, uh, for the utilities to implement uh, that, their infrastructure. But our unit also provides air conditioning in a more effective manner. So we, um, we use a salt solution to drive the air conditioning process, which is inside a, a heat exchanger that we've developed. And this heat exchanger grabs the salt solution at a high concentration, which wants to absorb, this salt solution at that concentration wants to absorb water from anywhere, and it will take it right out of the air. And in doing so, we dehumidify the air that's going into the building, and then we cool it using a process called indirect evaporative cooling, which takes the temperature of the air to, here comes a, a nerd, nerd term, but to, to, the, to its dew point. So you end up with 
cooling and dehumidification. And in fact, I can do both of those things independent of each other. So I can target a humidity point in your building that you want and a temperature point uh, independent of each other, creating comfort envelopes that are much wider than what you can do with conventional technology. And in fact, the conventional technology is really bad at being able to dehumidify buildings. Uh, so we, we, we find ourselves in with air conditioning units that turn on and off. Um, they just provide air at a single temperature point. Ours um, is able to change that paradigm and adapt to the building and to the actual users in the building to ensure that you're more comfortable. And in doing so, I add another layer of efficiency gains to the system. So all of that combines to, to create a, a, a revolution in, in, in air conditioning. I can get into the nerdy part of that technology if you want, or um, I can direct people to our website. If, if Let's wanna... direct people to the website if they want to nerd out about the air conditioning quality on that front and, and, the, and, and the how it actually works on that as well. But I would love for you to continue to nerd out, except in a little bit of a different uh, way, if you will, outside of the technology itself. But how much more... Uh, like of a reduction will you see? You talked about the increase in the efficiency. How much more of a reduction in carbon emissions and things of that nature will, let's say, a commercial building uh, output if they implement this solution and things of that nature instead of kind of the traditional way that we use air conditioning as well? Because I know, it, correct me if I'm wrong here, but, but commercial use is definitely where a large output of the emissions are versus like residential homes or am I So wrong? actually in, in both, in both. Okay. Um, but, and, and that depends also on, regions we are starting with commercial buildings um, and I'll, I can explain the business reasons for that but the the you know we're looking at more than 85 percent reductions in um, in co2 emissions compared to the conventional conventional system on a per unit basis yeah so it's it's it is game changing. That's absolutely game changing. Eighty five percent in reduction in, in in emissions there, and and then what's kind of like the the runtime with the storage and things of that nature as well. Yeah, so our standard unit that we're putting for commercial buildings, and we're we're doing what is called a replacement of dedicated outdoor air systems and also rooftop units, which are they dominate the commercial building air conditioning space in the United States. But we're looking at six to eight hours of energy storage per unit. So it would allow you to run with minimal electricity consumption during that period of time. And then you regenerate um, the liquid desiccant and by consuming that amount, small amounts of electricity, and you get to do it again. Yeah. So it, it's, a, and it's something that can be managed by the utility or by the building owner, optimized for reduction in overall cost of electricity, elimination of peak demand, or optimization of, um, of of load balancing for for the utility, which reduces their need for batteries and for you know transmission and distribution infrastructure on their end. Wow! Yeah, so it's almost like a full workday worth, uh, almost basically. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Exactly. Wow. Fantastic on that front too. And then uh, talk to us a little bit too. Like we've, we've kind of taken the commercial angle as well. We talked a lot about these regions that are definitely more impacted by the accelerated uh, view, the accelerated climate change that we're seeing, especially in extreme temperatures on that front as well. How will porting and, and implementing this technology within that air conditioning, let's say, in a, I don't know, a region like India, where you can get extreme hot temperatures uh, during the summertime as well. How much of a difference in 
how quickly of a difference can that make in kind of reducing emissions and things of that nature uh, on, a, on a global scale? And then on the second half of that question, of course, enhancing uh, the lives of those people, as you mentioned before, and the human rights, um, you know, uh, the human rights issue that's within that too. And, and I, I think from that level, uh, there's a lot of acceleration that can be kind of made rather quickly. Yeah. So the, the, the goal, so our goal is to start in the United States with commercial buildings. The key to, to technology implementation, hard, hardware technology implementation is to um, segment the market in a way that allows you to get the, get to the volumes that make the cost of things plummet. So we, we start with commercial buildings in the United States, targeting markets that have a, a pretty higher conditioning load or where there's a where conditioning has outsized impact on on utilities, and so we're looking at at Southern California, uh, Nevada. We actually are looking at also Canada and New York. Um, there there are places in the world where where it's more about infrastructure elimination or reduction of infrastructure costs because you know you're creating a, you know there's like for example where where you're living in the Pacific Northwest. There's this you said you know there this there's there's these two weeks where you have this extreme temperature and then the rest of the year you're okay but the grid has to put all this infrastructure for those two weeks which means that the return on investment associated with all that infrastructure only occurs for those two weeks right so you'll never make your money back so that means that your electricity prices is going to increase uh, because of you know such high investments for such little utilization so the asset utilization is low so there are, there are market drivers in that end um, and then there's market drivers on the fact that people have a high reliance on air conditioning. Our goal is to then, you know, to create that, those, use those markets as volume markets in the commercial building space. Um, commercial building space is really uh, convenient because most of the, the, most of the air conditioning space is um, targeted among a certain type of air conditioning. So you're selling a very small variation of units into a lot of market. And also um, one building owner uh, has multiple buildings and every single building has multiple air conditioners. So you get to volumes quickly and the value of every single one of those customers is high. The goal is to then move over to residential uh, uh, units as that cost uh, uh, drops and also as technology improvements start to reduce weight and size of the unit. And that's the point where we're actually then targeting uh, overseas markets, in particular concentrating in those very fast growth uh, uh, markets. So you mentioned India, China, Southeast Asia, and Latin America uh, are, are sort of the targets. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you start from tackling from the commercial perspective here, it really, it really help and improve the grid and the infrastructure, like you mentioned before, where your, your ROI is not good for those two weeks, for example, in the yeah. Pacific Northwest and things of that nature as well. And I'd be curious, what type of feedback have you been getting when you're presenting this uh, to potential, you know, customers and things of that nature as well? You know, what's the overall, or even when you're, you, you know, I know that you've done some rounds of investing as well, even when you've pitched to investors, you know, what's that overall feedback that you're getting back? Yeah, we, we, we've received an enormous amount of interest. And so it's a very exciting time. And it's fact, it's, it's a type of interest we have to manage uh, carefully uh, because we will be limited in our capacity to deliver product within the next couple of years as, you know, because we're establishing manufacturing uh, in the next couple of years uh, uh, and, and making those investments. So we are, we are being very selective with the partners that we work with in terms of deployment, deployment of units for the next, next two to three years. 
But um, yeah, we, we've received overwhelming positive response. It's interesting that it depends on who you talk to, what is the area of the technology that is the most exciting. Uh, so utilities, of course, the energy storage side of things is, is really ex exciting and also the capacity to ensure that I can guarantee that that energy will not be consumed during those peak events um, has, is driving that utility industry uh, 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 interest to support the rollout of that technology. The, and then on the building, building side, the idea of reducing energy consumption, reducing energy costs is very important. But the other side is providing an overall better indoor air quality and better uh, indoor, indoor experience is critical to the success of commercial buildings. And conventional technology does an okay job of that. They're you know, all of us have gone into that restaurant that is ultra humid or has weird smell or that hotel that, that has that damp feeling or it's too cold or, and we have become accustomed to having mediocre experience indoors in a lot of commercial building types that we can resolve and, and uh, we can resolve with a single unit. We can actually adapt to the daily and seasonal changes in the building and between building types, we can change ourselves to become optimum for that building type and that type of customer. And that has enormous value to the, to the building owners uh, of the world in the commercial building space. So yeah, the, the, the interests are varied and, and multidimensional and we're, we're receiving this, this incredible, incredible interest, which has us very excited. Again, the mantra on our side is, is trying to move as fast as, as we can to, to run at the speed of the problem rather than to, to be, be too late for us to have the level of impact that we want to have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, to me, there just seems to be so many, so many avenues of positive impact with this, whether that is through improving, uh, you know, somebody's ability to work productively within a commercial building because they feel more comfortable. The air quality is better inside. The humidity percentage is at a good level versus the temperature in the room has got a good, just little things like that that can kind of change output uh, on that front. And then, of course, obviously the cost efficiencies and the savings in cost and the energy grid and they're not wasting of of energy and the bringing all that down and things of that nature as well i'd be curious go ahead danielle yeah I, I i forgot to you mentioned uh indoor air quality I, and i and i sort of glossed over that we are we are coming out or we're still i guess in in a pandemic where we actually learned that indoor air spaces could be dangerous <laughs> to our health our system actually brings ventilation, outdoor air into, into the building, as a matter of fact, as a matter of course. So all those efficiency gains are actually occurring, 30 to 50% outdoor air being brought into the building with our unit. And that air is passing on top of a film of this um, high concentration salt solution, which has a very low, what's called water activity, which means that it kills everything. So we are disinfecting the air that's going into the building and we're reducing the amount of recirculated air that is in the building which reduces the concentration, it, it, it reduces the buildup of CO2 in the space, which helps us be more comfortable and have better cognitive capabilities. But also it, it will prevent the spread of uh, pathogens and diseases inside a building. It's, just, it's become an, an even another area of a lot of interest uh, for the company. So indoor air, indoor air quality and 
is is one of the, the things that we're very excited that we're going to be able to bring to people. Yeah, that's fascinating as well. I remember reading something briefly on that when they we talked about airplanes and the circulation of airplanes during uh, COVID times as well, where it was, the, the studies came out and showed that it was actually safer to be in the airplane itself than it was in the airport because of the way that they recycled the air or didn't recycle the air, correct me if I'm wrong, on that front. And then that's when I really learned like, oh my goodness, like that plays such a big role in the quality of that, what we're breathing. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If we've learned something from the last, uh, <laughs> what is it now, three years, it is essential to have ventilation in buildings in order to not be susceptible to this pandemic and then the, the, the ones that are sure to come in the future. <laughs> as, right. as, as, as we all live in, in, in cities, as global populations are increasing and as, as we're having um, more contact with uh, wild species due to the fact that we're encroaching their spaces. Exactly. Inevitable. But the next time we can be prepped and prepared and hopefully with a little bit of assistance from Blue Frontier as well. Uh, <laughs> with that, Danielle, as well, I, I know, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, I believe you guys raised a Series A round not too long ago. Yeah, within that Series A round as well, can you just kind of tell us where your current product kind of iteration is and, and where you're at and, and some plans uh, moving forward? Uh, I know obviously in the commercial space, but you know, uh, even more to that. So we raised a, a $20 million round that was led by Breakthrough Energy Ventures. Uh, that's uh, uh, Bill Gates and friends, uh, but also 2150 and, and Bolo Earth Ventures and, a, and, and Modern Niagara, which is the largest mechanical contractor uh, in, in, in Canada. So we, we had a, a, an extraordinary team of, of, of investors uh, coming in and supporting Blue Frontier. That has given us... <laughs> a lot of uh, rocket fuel uh, to accelerate uh, things on our side. So we are uh, presently finalizing the design of what we call our alpha unit, which is a uh, pre-production prototype that we're going to field trial uh, in, in throughout 2023 and into 2024 also. And the idea is to validate in, you know, outside of, of laboratory and our own little facilities, the savings that we've been talking about, but actually put it to practice in actual, you know, buildings and, and we're doing that in a very strategic manner. And, uh, and also we are investing in um, setup of, of manufacturing. So we've, we've done in the last couple of years, we've done a lot of cost reduction and design for manufacturing uh, uh, and implement, an implementation of, of innovative technology and, and, and design. Um, we are now in the process of actually putting in the investments to tool up for, for, for manufacturing and being able to deliver uh, product at, a, at, at, at volume. So that the idea is 2025 is full product release, 2023 and 2024 is strategic, is, is, is field trials and early product release with strategic partners. Okay. And, and by that 2025, is that for just uh, the, the US portion of the commercial areas or is that starting to consider moving into, like you said, the Latin America, Southeast Asia? It's North America. So we are, we are we're looking Canada, United States and Mexico. Fantastic. That's exciting. That's not too far along. That's not yeah. too far. Yeah. Yeah. It's again, moving as fast as we can. Uh, we, we are impacted. It's, it's hardware. Uh, so uh, it, 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 it Everything has to be built, <laughs> so we we are impacted by supply chain uh, constraints. So we we're we're trying to work as fast as we can to to ensure that we are, you know, we're able to meet these milestones. But right now we are 
very much on track. Fantastic. Well, I'm looking forward to staying in touch and, and seeing how that goes within the next year or two years coming up uh, on that front. As well. You know, Danielle, I, I want to kind of take your expertise in this space and, uh, you know, take in the fact that you gravitate towards big problems as well here and kind of go and, and ask what your opinion is uh, when you kind of see the way that we revolutionize our energy grid in the next 10, 20 years and the next coming decades on that front as well. Obviously, what you're doing here is something that's going to change it. It'd be a huge game changer, as we've mentioned in the past, and, and that's going to really optimize efficiency and optimize so many different avenues, pricing, uh, climate change. It's going to reduce the amount of emissions there and everything. Where do you see the overall energy kind of sector, which is obviously very broad, but where do you kind of see that kind of trending in the next couple of decades? And not only just trending, but what you hear from colleagues and people that are working on other problems in that kind of energy space on that front as well. How do you see it kind of evolving and then both from kind of that commercial perspective, but also maybe how, you know, the everyday person might interact with the energy grid on that front as well. I want to take a moment to talk about what I've learned from this episode of the podcast, as this has been one of the most insightful and eye-opening episodes that I have recorded so far. For me, when we think about climate change, a lot of the conversations I've had talk about poor farming practices, the overuse of plastic, waste into our environment, transportation, and supply chains. All of those are very, very important, but not one that I did not know about. And when I first saw and learned about Blue Frontier, it struck me as a bit of an aha moment because air conditioners are only increasing in use, especially in the developing world, and it's only going to get worse as temperatures continue to increase. I truly believe what Dr. Danielle Betts and Blue Frontier are doing can have a long-term revolutionary benefit to fighting climate change and changing the way we use air conditioning. It's a fascinating thing that I have seen unravel under my own eyes just by being in the Pacific Northwest of the USA during the summer in the Seattle area. We have had record heats over the course of the last five plus summers or so. And for the first time, my family used air conditioning. That's something that they had never used before, especially growing up. My parents started using air conditioning and it's really opened my eyes to the amount of use that we have of air conditioning. And that really summed up what Dr. Danielle Betts was telling me about the increased usage in other parts of the world. So it's something that I think we should all keep our eyes on and I'm excited to continue following Blue Frontier and I encourage you all to do the same. So let's get back to it and close out this episode of the Talking Solutions podcast. Yeah, I, there's a lot of excitement. Um, so, and, and, and I'm, I, I see it positive for the short term. I see it difficult in the long term. So um, I think that we will meet our commitments within the next 10 years uh, to, you know, associated with the, the Paris Agreement. And But getting to net zero is going to be difficult. And, and sort of that's sort of the next step. And, and, uh, and the magnitude of that problem, uh, in particular in the building space, is, will be associated with retrofitting existing building systems with much more efficient systems that are, in, are, are synchronized or work well with renewable energy generation. So already renewable energy generation, so, so PV and, and, and wind are right now, the levelized cost of electricity for, for, from those devices are, is lower than anything else you could do. So we are, we've, we've arrived at a point where that has no cost, no what I call the green premium. But all the rest of the infrastructure associated with the variability of those systems 
will drive costs and will mean that we will have to make a lot of replacement of existing infrastructure to, to mitigate for that. And that's also going to be exacerbated or potentially fixed. We don't know how it's going to go with the advent of you know electric vehicles and charging. So if electric vehicles become part of the energy storage infrastructure of the, of the grid, then you know it's all great. Um, if electric vehicles become a new load on the grid that wasn't expected or that is all coming at the wrong time, then they become a, a you know, something that could prevent us, our capacity to, to get to renewable grids. So a lot of policy decisions and infrastructure decisions are being made right now that need to be um, forward-looking, long-term forward-looking, to ensure that we have, we have a you know, system of systems um, that work together <laughs> to, to, to arrive at, at, at a solution. So, I mean, that's what we're trying to do in air conditioning. We, we see that efficient buildings need to be grid interactive. And so when I look at the, mo the thing that, that, that has the highest requirement for that grid interactivity, uh, being able to adapt to, to the, to the um, you know, price signals in the grid or um, carbon emissions in the grid, you know, air conditioning needs to adapt to that. So that's why we have the energy storage component in our unit. But almost everything else has to be able to do that. Uh, and and that's, that's gonna be the trick in my mind. The amount of innovation in the space is extraordinary. Uh, in, in the entire clean tech space, the amount of innovation is extraordinary. More investment is going into the space than has ever gone before, which is exciting because it's, it's giving a lot of capacity for really smart people to go out and search for solutions and 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 uh, implement new uh, cross-disciplinary solutions to things. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited about what I see there. It's all about speed of implementation. So hardware technology takes time has multiple points of uh, potential failure uh, that are not necessarily associated with technology, but associated with implementation or strategy or partnership, um, you know, <laughs> wrong investor, et cetera. Uh, so I, I think that we need to ensure that we're, we're, we're giving that sector a sort of special consideration, the fact that it's harder, but it, it could have enormous impact. And here to the invest, investment world and, and to, to all of us, uh, I, I do see that we have to change everything. So there's almost nothing we do that is sustainable. There's almost no industry actually that is sustainable right now, which, which means that we're going to have to make changes. But the exciting part is, hey, we're going to have to change everything, right? So which means that every industry that's global, multi billion dollars, trillion dollar industries will be or have to be revolutionized within the next 20 years. And so we're ushering in, we, we need to usher in a new world where things are going to become more comfortable, better, more, uh, more advanced technologically, more interactive and healthier and more in sync with the environment. And those, the winners of that, the winners in that, in that space are going to be sort of the next generation of the great industrialists of the world. Yeah, it really is so interesting to look at when you bring it out into that perspective from the long term. And then also you kind of just put that together. You know, another thing that pops up is what's this revolutionary we call? Is it going to be the technology revolution? You know, what energy revolution? You know, we had the agricultural revolution, uh, the industrial revolution. You mentioned we have to flip everything up on its head because in the past they weren't building for sustainability or for regeneration or anything. They were building just to get people there. 
um, to that front. And, you know, this is obviously a topic for what we could talk about for a whole nother couple hours on a whole other podcast episode there, Danielle. So I'll avoid that rabbit hole on that front too. And, and I'll just kind of let you answer this, uh, this kind of last question I got for you as well, it, which is, you know, you individually uh, in this journey so far with Blue Frontier, what have you learned about yourself as a, as a founder and individual that's kind of stood out to you the most? Two things. One is trust yourself. You, you, you know, your gut <laughs> um, has a lot of, you know, question your gut, but your gut is uh, something's telling you something that, that you must, you must trust it and, and, uh, and be in sync with, with who you are and, and where you want to go. Um, so trust yourself. And the second is trust your partners, right? So surround yourself with people that are extraordinary and trust them to be extraordinary. And the solutions will come. And um, I'll throw in one more thing that is important for us as, as general as a society. I think it's important to realize. But my, my grandmother said, used to say, you know, those that search find, uh, el, el que busca encuentra. What that means is, you know, go, go find the solution, right? Don't, don't just stand around and say like, hey, you know, this is a problem and, and that's it. Because you might find it. Like even even if you think that it's impossible, go find it. There's a lot of hidden things in the world, um, in particular for engineers, to go and design and think and come up with new solutions that seem to be elusive for everyone else. Wonderful advice and uh, motivational advice on that as well, Danielle. So thank you so much for sharing. You know what you've kind of learned on that front too. And and I want to give an opportunity uh, for you to go out there and, and explain and. and Tell people where they can support you and, and in what ways they can kind of support you. Obviously, uh, you know, you can follow along, I would assume, on some social media websites, newsletters or anything like that. So where can people find you? Yeah. So in our website, um, uh, www.bluefrontierac.com, you can register for our newsletter and we try to put one out every quarter. We are in LinkedIn uh, where we actually post a lot of pictures and things of what's going on uh, in, 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 at, at Blue Frontier. And uh, we are hiring. So if you are ready to change the world and want to get into a challenging and exciting and uh, super impact, super highly impactful uh, role within our company, go to our website. That, that you know, there's a there's a careers uh, uh, side there. And yeah, and we 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 welcome any critique or interest uh, or or just a hey, <laughs> uh, we we are there with you when when we. Sometimes those things help when we're trying to solve problems to hear that, you know, we're doing this for the right stakeholders. Love that. Love that. Yeah, absolutely. Just that little bit of encouragement, that validation, right? It's so helpful, <laughs> especially with the days as a CEO founder, just, oh my goodness, what am I getting myself into? So that's great on that front. Danielle, anything else that you would like to add in this episode here before I let you go? No, um, to, to young people, um, we're working on it and please um, join us in the fight. There it is. Join the fight and you can do so with Blue Frontier directly, uh, you know, so go to the website. That's uh, bluefrontierac.com. And of course, we'll have all of those uh, links in the show notes for you as well and across social media on that front uh, as we post throughout the week uh, of this episode. So definitely be uh, on the lookout for that. And then if you are interested, again, go to bluefrontierac.com. You can find the career section and then you can have a look at some of the available roles available uh, there. And then you can make that application. And then, of course, on that front, uh, there are other companies doing great things. So if you are the young and you're inspired after this, you can definitely go in and have a look at try to find some uh, some jobs within that in 
industry on that front as well. But that's going to wrap up this episode of the Talking Solutions of Podcast with the CEO of Blue Frontier, Dr. Danielle Betts. And Danielle, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I've truly enjoyed this conversation and your knowledge uh, to share with us. Thank you. Thank you. It's such a pleasure. That's Dr. Danielle Betts joining us here on the Talking Solutions podcast. And that's going to wrap up this edition. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, do me a favor, hit the subscribe button, check out our newsletter to hear more about uh, people like Danielle and the founders that are pushing solutions to solve some of society's bigger problems on that front. And of course, you can follow us across social media and uh, we got a new website in the works as well. And then of course, subscribe to the podcast to get new episode alerts and a rating always goes very far as well. Plus it helps validate me uh, on that front just as much as those encouraging good words. So we'd appreciate that as well. So thank you so much. And until the next episode, I hope everybody has a great rest of their week. Thanks for listening to the Talking Solutions podcast. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode and check out all of our guests on our website at cheshtech.com. That's C-H-E-S-H-T-E-C-H.com to learn more as we continue our mission of supporting impact-driven founders. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Talking Solutions Podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Talking Solutions. If you liked this episode, I'd really appreciate a review and a recommendation to a friend as we focus on highlighting these great founders and individuals providing solutions to societal problems and bringing optimism into the world.